1: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Canaxis Incorporated Fiscal 2021 First Quarter Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. Instructions will be provided at that time for you to queue up for questions. I'd like to remind everyone that this call is being recorded today, Wednesday, May 5th, 2021. I will now turn the call over to Rick Wadsworth, Vice President of Investor Relations at Canaxis Incorporated. Please go ahead, Mr. Wadsworth.
2: Thanks, Operator. Good morning and welcome to the Canaxis Earnings Call. Today we will be discussing our first quarter results, which we issued after close of markets yesterday. With me on the call are John Scard, our President and Chief Executive Officer, Richard Monkman, our Chief Financial Officer, and Blaine Fitzgerald, our Executive Vice President of Finance. Before we get started, I want to emphasize that some of the information discussed on this call is based on information as of today, May 5, 2021, and contains forward-looking statements that involve risks and uncertainties. Actual results may differ materially from those set forth in such statements. For a discussion of these risks and uncertainties, you should review the forward-looking statements disclosure in the earnings press release as well as in our CDAR filings. During this call, we will discuss IFRS results and non-IFRS financial measures. The reconciliation between IFRS results and non-IFRS financial measures is available in our earnings press release and in our MD&A, both of which can be found on the Investor Relations section of our website, canaccess.com, and on CDAR. Participants are advised that the webcast is live and is also being recorded for playback purposes. An archive of the webcast will be made available on the IR section of our website, Neither this call nor the webcast archive may be re-recorded or otherwise reproduced or distributed without prior written permission from Canaxis. To begin our call, John will discuss the highlights of our quarter, as well as recent business developments, followed by Richard and Blaine, who will review our financial results and outlook. Finally, John will be making some closing statements before opening up the line for questions. We have a presentation to accompany today's call, which can be downloaded from the Investor Relations homepage of our website, canaxis.com. We will let you know when to change slides. I'll now turn the call over to John.
3: Thank you, Rick. Good morning, and thank you for joining us today. First, as always, I hope you and your loved ones remain healthy. Nothing matters more. In particular, I'd like to let our, fanta- our fantastic team in India know that all of us at Canaxis are thinking about you as you battle the very worst of this horrible pandemic under extremely difficult conditions. Wherever you are in the world, I encourage you to get vaccinated as soon as possible so we can all see each other face to face once again, something I dearly miss. We remain forever grateful to our frontline workers everywhere, especially those in supply chain, keeping our necessities flowing and continuing to extend our sympathies to families that have been deeply affected. I'm also forever amazed by and thankful for the resilience of our Canaxis employees as we remain in this prolonged work-from-home condition. Turning to slide three, I'm pleased to report a strong start to our year, including SAS revenue growth of 19% to $40.6 million, total revenue of $57.7 million, and an adjusted EBITDA margin of 16%. Turning to slide four. While COVID-related delays are not fully behind us, the environment for booking new business, which started to show signs of improvement in the fourth quarter of 2020, has continued to return to a more normal state. We won a record number of new customers for a first quarter, which, together with project expansions, resulted in record first quarter incremental subscription bookings. These positive first-quarter results, coupled with a continuing healthy pipeline of opportunities, reinforces our outlook for 2021. Assuming these trends continue, we remain even more confident in a return to higher SaaS revenue growth rates in 2022 and beyond. We continue to see momentum in life sciences and pharmaceuticals, adding in this quarter Sweden-based Molniki which has been in business for 172 years and has operations in more than 100 countries. Molnicki designs and supplies surgical and wound care products from the operating room to our homes. Alvogen is another win for us, a global pharmaceutical company focused on developing, manufacturing, and selling generic, branded, and over-the-counter products for patients around the world. The company has commercial operations in 20 countries with 1,700 employees. As we mentioned on our last earnings call, during Q1, we also won biopharmaceutical maker Morphosis and a global engineering and technology solutions company, Scient. I'm also thrilled to share a win with a distribution company, a nascent vertical for Kinaxis. LR Distributors has been a leading national distributor within the supermarket, drug, independent, and mass class trade across the U.S. for over 60 years. A number of these wins involve our Rapid Start Delivery Program, which is an offering that takes full advantage of our knowledge of the industry best practices to set customers on the path to supply chain transformation in as little as 12 weeks. We continue to see the value proposition. For strong and fast ROI resonating very well amongst our prospects. Our rapid response platform strategy is beginning, beginning to pay dividends. I'm very pleased to report that we have made initial sales of Transportation Load Optimizer, a solution developed on our platform by Forflow, as well as production scheduling, a solution developed by Planet Together. These are just two examples of how our new solution extension partners can leverage our platform for mutual gain. The pipeline of opportunities for all such partners continues to grow and is a strong validation of our strategy to open up rapid response as a development platform. You can expect us to name more partners in the program this coming year. Overall, we continue to see a heightened level of interest from companies looking to drive hyper-agility in their supply chain through our unique end-to-end concurrent planning approach. I'll now ask Richard and Blaine to discuss results for Q1.
4: Thank you, John, and good morning. As a reminder, unless noted otherwise, all figures reported on today's call are in U.S. dollars under IFRS. Looking at slide 5, you'll see the total revenue in the first quarter was up 9% to $57.7 million, as healthy growth in SaaS and professional services revenue was offset by a normal cyclical decrease in subscription term license revenue. SaaS revenues grew 19% to $40.6 million, driven by new customer wins as well as the expansion of existing customer subscriptions. Subscription term license revenue was 2.1 million, down 58% from the comparable period. This revenue item is linked to the normal renewal cycle of our customer hosted software subscriptions. Our professional services revenue activity was strong again, resulting in 12 million revenue or 13% growth over the corresponding quarter of 2020. As previously noted, this revenue will vary from quarter to quarter based on the number, size, and timing of customer projects underway, as well as the proportion of work assumed by our partners. Maintenance support revenue for the quarter was $3.1 million, largely in line with the result in Q1 2020. We continue to be pleased with the diversity and strength of our total revenue base. For the quarter, our 10 largest customers accounted for 27% of total revenues with no individual customer accounting for greater than 10% of total revenues. Gross profit increased by 1% to 37.2 million, representing a gross margin of 64% compared to 70% in Q1 2020. The change in margin reflects a few items. First, the lower proportion of subscription term license revenue, which contributes nearly 100% gross margin. We also made important strategic investments in our direct costs throughout 2020 and Q1, and that's reflected in these uh, new costs. These investments will help to support our ever-increasing base of customers. Adjusted EBITDA margin in Q1 was 16% compared to 29% in the first quarter last year. Again, this reflects the impact of the natural cycle of subscription term license revenue and important investments in all our operating teams across the organization globally. These investment initiatives will help create a scalable base to support much higher revenue for Kinaxis in the future. We had a loss of $1.5 million in the quarter compared to $5.6 million profit in Q1 2020, largely due to the factors I just mentioned. Q1 cash flow from operating activities was 20.6 million compared to 21 million in the first quarter of 2020. At March 31, 2020, cash, cash equivalents and short-term investments totaled 229.3 million, compared to 213.1 million at the end of 2020. We remain pleased with our outstanding track record of cash generation. And I'll now turn the call over to Blaine. Thanks, Richard. In the
5: enterprise software space, Q1 is often a slower quarter for booking new business. But we are very pleased that we had a record first quarter for winning incremental business and for new customer wins. As a result, our minimum, minimum contracted revenue backlog remains very strong. Backlog by 11% compared to March 31, 2020 to 384 million. This amount includes 360.8 million of SAS revenue backlog, which represents a 16% increase from a year ago. Backlog details can be found in the revenue note to our financials. The backlog will be recognized over the following periods. 129.5 million will be recognized in 2021, of which 119.8 million relates to SAS business. 127 million will be recognized in 2022, of which $118.6 million relates to SaaS business, and $127.5 million will be recognized in fiscal 2023 and later, of which $122.4 million relates to SaaS business. Total bookings in Q1 were $48.5 million, of which SaaS bookings were $47.9 million, representing 40% growth compared to Q1 2020. These bookings figures represent the difference in opening and closing quarter-end backlog, adjusted for revenue recognized in the period, and includes bookings of both incremental and non-incremental business. Moving on to slide seven, the strong start to the year and ongoing positive outlook continues to give us confidence in our guidance for fiscal 2021. To reiterate, we expect total annual revenue for 2021 to be in the range of 242 to $247 million and expect 2021 SaaS revenue growth to be between 17% and 20%. Based on the normal cycle of customer hosted subscription renewals, we expect subscription term license revenue to be between three and $5 million in 2021. We continue to expect an adjusted EBITDA margin of 11 to 14% for 2021. Though given the 16% result in Q1, we will continue to monitor and update. While the impacts of COVID are still not fully behind us, we still anticipate that 2021 will be a much better year than 2020 for signing incremental business and winning new customers. As a result, we continue to see 23 to 25% SaaS revenue growth as a sustainable target over the midterm, including for 2022. We will give specific annual guidance on our usual cadence. Thank you for your continued support of Canaxis. With that, I will turn the call back over to John.
3: Thank you, Blaine. We're pleased with our positive start to the year and continue to see a heightened level of interest from companies looking to drive hyper-agility in their supply chain. Ongoing major disruptions in supply chain, whether microchip shortages, a container ship blocking the Suez Canal, or of course COVID-19 and its variants, continue to hit the news and shine a light on our unique differentiated technique. Add to these the omnipresent and more mundane disruptions that impact supply chains daily from delayed delivery trucks, issues on the manufacturing line, or large purchase orders that customers want to accelerate, and you start to see how invaluable concurrent planning is for our customers. The weakness of rigid legacy cascaded techniques that introduce latency in planning and follow a functionally siloed approach are being exposed every day. I am confident that Canaxis has never been in a better position to serve our markets. As always, thank you all for taking the time to join us on this call. With that, I'll turn the line over to the operator for Q&A.
1: At this time, if you would like to ask a question, please press star, followed by the number 1 on your telephone keypad. Again, it is star 1. We'll pause for just a moment. You have a question from the line of Daniel Chen with TD Securities. Hi, good morning.
6: Uh,
7: You commented that you saw record Q1 incremental bookings from new customers and expansions. And I, I just want to drill into this a bit more. Given what sounds like a heightened sense of urgency to modernize supply chains in the current environment, has there been a change in the size of these initial deals that you're seeing? And has the pace of expansions also changed compared to what you saw before the pandemic?
3: Uh, it's, a, it's a great question. And, um, you know, the answer is yes, in that, uh, you know, our prospects are looking for a much more rapid, well, a rapid start uh, to their transformations, um, you know, rather than looking at it in a, in a, you know, at the beginning in a wholesome way. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're, we're really pleased with the uptake, uh, you know, last quarter and in Q1 with rapid start initiatives. So that, I think um is a is an indicator and we're we're seeing it with both uh very large enterprises and mid and mid market as well. Uh, you know, both. And so, you know, that's how I would describe, you know, perhaps the change uh that, that COVID has brought on. It, it's really, you know, customers looking for a much more uh you know, much more urgent and rapid return on, on their initial investments.
8: Okay. Thanks. That's helpful.
7: And then can you comment on how customer activity has trended so far into q2 well
3: we, we can we continue to see um, you know a return to more normal I'd say conditions um, you know obviously we're we're still early in the quarter but I would say that the the quarter started um, the, the quarter started strong as did q1 uh, and the pipeline of business continues to look uh, very strong and you know I I see the pipeline strengthening in every uh, in every vertical and every geography. So I don't see necessarily a concentration problem at all. Um, and so yeah, I would say you know we're we're cautiously optimistic. Um, obviously, you know every day you read the news and COVID's not behind us. Um, and so you know we're we're cautiously optimistic that. Uh, we're closer to the end of it than we are at the beginning, and we're certainly seeing a trend right now towards a more normal, uh, you know, operating environment.
6: Thank you.
1: You have a question from the line of Richard C. with National Financial Bank.
8: Yeah, thank you. Uh, sort of a similar question to Dan, and it's nice to see that you had the record number of new customers uh, falling on the record last quarter. How many of those new customers are rapid-start customers? You know, not specific number, but, you know, is it like a half of that race? Or is it a quarter? Just trying to get a sense of what that is.
3: Yeah, I, you know, when we look at, uh, you know, obviously we don't uh, – disclose the, you know, the details of every deal or or the the customer counts in a given quarter, but I could tell you that it's roughly double that of the same quarter last year in terms of net new customers. And I will also tell you, as I, as we described last quarter, you know, we're seeing uh, more activity from the mid-market. And, you know, I think that is also reflective of, um, you know, I'd say the, the recognition of, of the potency behind concurrency and the fact that mid-market companies can step into this new world, this new transformation in 12 weeks or less. Um, and so, you know, the, you know we in this, you know, in Q1, we certainly um, saw a continuation of progress in the mid-market space. Uh, but again, you know, great question, Richard. I I I classify it as roughly double the number of customers uh added in Q1 as the same period last year. Okay. Is is it fair to say that
8: given rapid start is kind of like a rapid response light version, so to speak, that uh you know sort of the, the, the value of that contract is really a fraction of what a full deployment would be. And uh you know to get those conversions of these full deployments you're obviously going to get a certain bit of a pickup. So the question is is that What's sort of like the, the relative ratio of rapid start versus rapid response? Is it a kind of a quarter or a tenth of what a, a full deployment uh, value of a contract would be?
3: Yeah, well, it, every, every one of these is, uh, is a little different because the size of these organizations are different. So it's difficult you know, to necessarily describe it as it's exactly X amount. Um, I will say, you know, it is less risk for a prospect to begin, you know, because, you you know, we're doing this inside of a 12-week window. It is a prescription. It is not a light version of rapid response um, that, you know, just for clarity, it's rapid response. It is concurrent planning, but it is a, you know, based on templatized best practices, and it is the first step that, um, you know, that, a, you know, a, a customer will take. So, think of it as a You know a patient who has a severe fever and they're looking to lower their fever before they can work on the cure okay and so they're looking for the you know call it a a supply chain inoculation that's how i often describe it you know we're the doctor you're the patient we're going to come in here 12 weeks or less you're going to feel an awful lot better and when you feel better you can now start to strengthen and and cure the you know underlying governance model
8: okay great and just one last quick one for me so it's been around uh, a year since you acquired Prima Cloud. and um, can you maybe give us an update on the progress? Yeah. I can't really tell, and um, but just wondering how much it's really sort of contributed to the business. Um, you know, to the extent that you can provide any color on that, that'd be helpful.
3: Thanks. Sure, sure Richard. So as uh, I think we described this in the last quarter, that we had been successful, and um, you know, what I'd say, cross-selling their value proposition. Um, into our base and into the CPG uh, uh, arena and the CPG vertical, which was the first, you know, I'd say the first motivation for the for the acquisition, uh, and and the second motivation was strengthening um, our our machine learning and, and uh, AI bench, and so we're we're thrilled with the talent um, that we've been able to add in that area, and and have that talent implicated in um, in rapid response and the rest of our um, ml and and, uh, ai uh, roadmap Uh, the last element has been focused on retail and so you know this calendar year we're focused on um, merging in all of that technology into rapid response and getting it ready for the market
6: okay that's great thank you
1: you have a question from the line of thanos Mashapoulos with BMO Capital
6: Markets.
9: Uh Martin. In terms of um, the, the traction you're seeing in the mid-market, can you clarify: um, Are you targeting the mid-market through the same sales teams and and partners, or do you have an overlay focusing on um, the market specifically with dedicated sales people?
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Thanos, and I, I I describe it this way: it's a little bit of both. Uh, You know, we have seen a also as a result of the Gardner MQ being published in uh, in Q1, uh, a record number of unsolicited inbound leads, you know, these are people ringing our doorbell uh, and asking to come into the store. Um, So we're thrilled to see that. And obviously, there's a a larger proportion of those that that we're seeing now in uh, in mid market as we start to see, you know, success. So some in some cases we have you know mid-market companies coming to us uh, you know with their free will, and in other cases we have partners bringing them to us. And and so again in this in this uh, quarter you know the the vast majority of net new business was influenced by our partner uh, our partner um, ecosystem. So it's a it's a bit of both.
9: Okay, and uh, would you characterize that across all geographies, or is the mid-market traction kind of more uh- geographically focused in certain regions?
3: All geographies in Asia, Europe, and in, in, uh, in the uh, North American market. Okay. Um, from
9: a product perspective, uh, back at the uh, user conference, um, you had introduced some pretty neat AI capabilities. Um, with respect to, you know, suggesting scenarios and then implementing scenarios. Uh, just curious if that's been launched and whether um, that's something that's a factor um, in terms of deal wins or whether that's you now being adopted by, by clients or is it early days for that?
3: It's still early days. Um, you know, we, we're obviously thrilled with uh, the innovations of last year, especially around um, command and control. Um, and, and so that's been, uh, you know, picking up some traction and a lot of interest. Uh, a tremendous amount of interest with prospects. Uh, Still early days to, uh, you know, to highlight the, you know, any significant contribution.
6: Okay. Uh, All right, I'll pass Thanks.
1: You have a question from the line of Paul Steep with Kosher Bank.
10: Good morning. Um, John, maybe talk about the partner solutions and maybe the genesis. We know you launched a new transportation planning app on the app warehouse yesterday. Can you talk to where that's at um, at this point?
3: Yeah, so you know, this is a, you know, it's just a, a, an extremely exciting um, time for CanAxis and a long time coming, you know, getting getting rapid response uh, exposed to third-party developers so that they can build Intellectual property on top of rapid response, and that by definition eliminates our own development teams from being a bottleneck uh, in delivering net new value to customers. And so, you know, I couldn't be more thrilled. Uh, you know, it, it's been a great quarter, and that's been one of the greatest highlights: is having a third party, uh, ForFlow, um, successful as well as Planet Together in in selling uh, their their extensions on top of rapid response, we have several several other um, development projects in the works with several other uh, solution extension partners and And so you know throughout this year i'm I'm very confident you're going to be seeing more um, unique applications being posted on our warehouse and more uh, press releases of successes and, and solution extension partners. It's it's just a thrilling, absolutely thrilling uh, time for us um, and and for our customers, quite frankly.
10: Great, and and I guess then uh, maybe the the quick follow up on that. And then one last one. Just what? How should we think about maybe the evolution of this app ecosystem? that you know been a number of years in the works. We're here, apps are launching. What are you seeing in terms of customer interest and uptake? Obviously, you just launched now the third one and more to come. What's sort of the customer response so far? And then I've got one quick follow-up. Thanks.
3: Yeah, it's it's been really good. Uh, you know, we're, you know, demonstrating these applications together with, with these partners. Um, you know, the integration's are completely seamless, um, extremely tight, and for our customers, they feel like they're they're still, you know, working with uh, rapid response, and and they're still getting benefits of concurrency. So, you know, I I, I think it's still early days. As excited as I am, um, you know, we're seeing the initial successes for our for our investments here. We're seeing a lot of interest from um, solution extension partners. As I said, we have several other projects in the works uh, at various stages. And so you know, as they become um, certified, we have a formal certification process that all of them go through. Once they become certified, they, they're um, you know, pushed up to the app warehouse. So I think it's early days, but our, you know, for sure, our, I liken it to what happened when Salesforce um, announced Force.com. Where you know whether it's you know third parties or even customers themselves having a safe way to extend the platform and add your own intellectual property, um, and and have it safe from upgrades. That's the, the you know that is the that's the holy grail in my opinion. And so you know we haven't really invented this technique. I, I often quote the uh, Force.com type of uh, uh, analogy. Um, you know, but I think our customers are gonna love it. Uh, they are, well we're already seeing uh, evidence of that. And so there's a there's already a strong pipeline of business uh, in three short months, you know, for some of these applications that uh, we're just talking about.
10: Great. And then the last quick follow up here for Blaine or uh, Richard, maybe on the margin, um was there anything noteworthy, guys, that you'd call out in the quarter that maybe you know, had either investment or spend sort of push out in the year? Or should we think that that cost base, apart from normal seasonality, reflects where you're sort of at at this point? Thank you.
5: Yeah, I'd like to, I mean, I would love to give a more exciting answer, but everything's gone according to plan for, for Q1. Um, as you know, our cost profile is it's, it's non-linear and um, the things such, such as connections and, and marketing programs, they're gonna uh, ramp up throughout the year. Connections is back half of the year that it usually hits. So um, that's a, a, a something that's allowing our, our margin to be a little bit higher at the beginning of, of Q1 than we we potentially will see at the end of the year. So uh, I, right now we're, we're pretty comfortable with our, our guidance. We think that we if we normalize the full year impact that we're comfortably in that 11 to 14% uh, guidance range. Thank you.
6: You have
1: a question from the line of Stephanie Price with CIBC.
6: Good morning.
7: With Panasonic announcing the acquisition of Blue Yonder, just wondering if you can comment a bit on the competitive environment and if you see any implications from that acquisition.
3: well, first, I would say when any company is acquired, um, it drives disruption. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, there's got to be some disruption. Um, and you know, to the extent that a competitor is being disrupted and focusing on other things, well, that that's a that's a good thing. Um, you know, that's a good thing for us. And you know, we've been um, you know last quarter um, and this quarter we continue to be successful in uh in winning business um you know in, in this arena uh, so obviously that's the way we you know we look at it uh, you know we wish the disruption to continue uh and we look forward to competing in good faith um you know uh, as uh, as the year progresses
11: All right thanks
7: And then in terms of the distributed vertical, you mentioned uh, a new contract win there. Just curious how we should think about the potential in that vertical and and the potential for it to become one of your core
10: verticals.
3: So yeah, um, you know, we announced that on purpose, obviously it's a new vertical for us. Uh, We have um, some additional opportunities in the pipeline, which uh, gave me some confidence, frankly, in, in, uh, in sharing that bit of news. As you know from our history, we're always we're extremely deliberate when we enter a new vertical, and uh, look to establish some good um, uh, momentum and wins and, and proof. Um, and so it's still very early days. You know, when you look at, you know, how we grew uh, life sciences, for example, you know, it's it was a six-year run to get to the point where we are right now. And and right now, life science continues to be. Um, our number one vertical, you know, slightly, uh, just slightly ahead of high tech. And um, and so, you know, this, we're thrilled, we're always thrilled to enter a new vertical because it increases the TAM and increases our value, um, increases the leverage of our R&D spend because they get to leverage rapid response. The same technology is used for aerospace and defense, automotive, industrial equipment, life sciences, high tech. And consumer uh, consumer packaged goods, and so it's it's just a great leverage point for us.
7: Great, and then just one final one for me. Just given Rubiclouds Clouds' uh, one year anniversary here, just wondering how you're thinking about M and A at
11: this juncture.
3: Yeah, yeah, we continue to be very thoughtful about it. In fact, um, we've increased our muscle, I would say, in uh, in evaluating um, you know potential accelerations. Uh, to cover off some white space. You know, I I would say, you know, there are certain areas that, uh, you know, that have some interest. Uh, You know, I wouldn't say there's anything imminent at the moment. Um, And if you see anything during the year, it would probably be categorized more as a tuck-in than um, anything, you know, grand or large or disruptive. Uh, But I will say, you know, different from, say, a year ago, uh, you know, we, we, even during COVID, we, we went through two acquisitions uh, successfully, and as a result, developed a stronger muscle around that uh, function. And, um, and it is a topic which we discuss as a management team. So it's, it's an active, I'd say, portfolio of work.
6: Great, thank you very much.
3: Thanks, Stephanie.
1: You have a question from the line of Deepak Kashon with Stipple GMP.
12: Oh, hi, guys. good morning. Um, just
1: a couple of follow
12: up questions for me. Um, you know, I think it was just building on Thanos's question around um the mid market strategy. You know beyond rapid start, John, what do you have to do differently from a sales product or even pricing strategy to fully penetrate the mid market or, or do you do you see that you don't don't have to do anything different at all? Just thoughts on longer term strategy for for penetrating that market fully?
3: Yeah, what we've realized um, you know is that, uh, it 's not just mid market I think maybe this this pandemic has been the catalyst uh, to get supply chain as a global craft to rethink the governance model it 's that grand it 's not like well, oh, we just need better technology no you know mid market large enterprise they 're they 're looking to um, they 're looking at changing the governance model now you know there has been studies now uh, published on how companies that leverage uh, concurrency over a cascaded planning, how have they fared during COVID versus companies that have not leveraged concurrency. And, and so, uh, and the reports are, are overwhelming, quite frankly. It's, it's quite obvious that those companies that have already adopted concurrency as a governance model, as an underpinning for planning, have fared better during this pandemic than those who have not. And so that proof point now allows mid-market players to say, hey, I'll have what they're having, to quote a famous line. <laughs> I'll have what they're having. And um, what Rapid Start does is it eliminates a lot of the risk because we're coming in and saying, hey, it's, you're inoculated, if you will, in, in 12, 12 weeks or less. And we have successfully deployed in 12 weeks or less um, for mid-market companies. And so that's, you know that gives us a lot of confidence in terms of doing anything differently, certainly, you know, these companies are, um, you know, they're looking for reduced amount of risk and an earlier start. Uh, and and I think, you know, as Thanos mentioned, the net effect of this strategy is we fully anticipate an increase in that, you know, I'd say the expansion opportunity because we're we know, hey, we're just we're just getting started. This is like step zero and we've already had expansion occur after a rapid start. We that's already happened. So you get to the 12 week window and they go, "Okay, we're thrilled. We're feeling so much better. Our fever is gone. And we'd like to to take step 1." Okay? And and they start to expand further from that point. So I think over time, it's early days obviously, but over time, I'm I'm looking for those indicators over the next 18 to 24 months where we'll we'll start to see um, some potential for an increase in expansion of, uh, of subscription over, um, you know, as a result of rapid start.
12: Okay, great. That's helpful. And then just to follow up on, I think it was Richard's question, but Rubicloud, you know, there's been a, you know, rapid adoption of e-commerce and retail. Um, are you starting to see that move the needle for your business, either with Rubicloud or organically, or is this something that, that we should still expect to come as the integration matures? I mean, I guess, what inning are we in and how would you, evaluate your penetration of the e-commerce segment of the retail market today
3: yeah i'd say we're in the first quarter uh you know um game here and uh we've been successful with pillar number one um which which was our prime motive right can we leverage this technology in the cpg space and so we have been successful there and we're um and we're thrilled with that uh, with that uh, output. At the same time, it's a it's a long game for us. We you know we have our eye on the prize, and that's entering the the retail space. And so this this calendar year is all about preparing to do that. So I'd say you know the, the you know I'd say substantive um, uh, return will happen once we get that um, their technology fully integrated into Rapid Response.
12: Okay. Okay, that's that's helpful for me. Um, I will pass one at this point.
6: Thanks, Deepak.
1: You have a question from the line of Robert Young with Canaccord Genuity.
6: Hi, good morning. A couple of
13: clarifications for me. Um, in in the past, um, I've always seen you as a company that's very intentional in where you shift your resources, and I think you know maybe different than. I mean, adding on some of the questions on the mid-market, it's always seemed to me as the mid-market's been out there. It's just been, Kanaxas has been unwilling to uh, put the resources there. I think that your some elements of your sales organization probably love to go after the mid-market. And so I think if I look at this from a different point of view that says that the mid-market's there, is, is Canaxus now saying that it's going to go after the mid-market?
3: Yeah, it's, you know, uh, great question, Rob. And you're right. You know, um, those who follow us Closely would see press releases and and say, yeah, that's not that's a mid market company that they just closed there, and so you you know I'd say that we would be more um, opportunistic, not necessarily targeting mid market in our in our past life, Um, whereas today it is definitely more deliberate. It's definitely more deliberate, and you know part of that is in in the pricing packaging and and the promotion of rapid response and how we how we target. Um, and and I, so, so I think you're going to continue to see more success uh, in the mid-market. The other thing that um, I'd say we're drafting, to use a, a cycling term, uh, we're drafting off of uh, proof points. You know, I, we're drafting off of some of the greatest companies on the planet adopting concurrency as an underlying governance model and recognizing just how powerful that is. You know, I've had, you know, 40, 40 plus interviews with chief supply chain officers in the last six months. And the one thing I'm hearing, which is quite uniform, is incrementalism is dead. People are looking for a breakthrough. They're recognizing that the past 30 years won't survive the next three. And so, uh, and so I think the mid-market is looking at how the greatest supply chains in the world have governed themselves. And they're just saying, I'll have what they're having. The proof is there. Uh, I think our technology has matured also with that the opening of the platform has matured, our integration processes have matured, and brought you know we are now capable of deploying rapid response in it, all its glory in twelve weeks or less um, and perhaps you know in and years years ago you know when you and I first met i wouldn't have been able to say that um, and so I think that 's what 's really fueling um you know our, our deliberate approach here
13: okay and then um the distributor uh the new vertical you're talking about you said it specifically that it expands the tam when it look at this it looks like it might just be uh, an element of retail and cpg it sounds like you're breaking down as a brand new vertical like it, it, is there any you know size around the tam that you would think of or would it largely fall under underneath retail cpg at first
3: yeah, retail CPG, well, CPG itself is a collection of uh, verticals. It is so um, large. And so, you, yeah, you're, you're right to think of it that way. Um, and, you know, when we think of CPG, you know, there's food and beverage, there's...
1: You have a question from the line of Paul Treber with RBC Capital Markets.
6: Oh, thanks very much and good morning. Um, I, I, John's line, I think it got cut off in the last question, so I just want to make sure John is there before I start.
2: Operator, it's uh, Rick Wadsworth here. Is, are you seeing John's line Is uh, is available?
1: Paul's line is still connected.
2: Yes, I'm, I'm uh, sorry. This Paul and uh, I think the rest of the audience is here. I'm referring to our main uh, speaker line. One moment. I think they're going to have to redial
6: uh, in.
2: Paul, if you want, while they're doing that, I, I could uh, I could address your initial question. Hopefully, they'll be back. Uh, Momently. Momentarily,
6: Spring?
11: Sure. I just uh, on the um the growth of the pipeline, I know last quarter uh the 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 company indicated the pipeline was up forty percent year over year. Just should we th- how should we think about the growth going into Q one? Is that momentum um sustained? Uh you know, it accelerating? Like, how should we think about it relative to that forty percent metric you put out last quarter?
2: Yeah, I mean, when when we introduced or talked about that metric, it's it's not something we're expecting to sort of give a number every quarter. Really, it was um, we thought that was a good time to talk about that underlying growth, um, you know, given uh, given the situation at the time. And we can certainly say that I'd say the trend is continuing. Uh, this is not you know a, a one-off phenomenon. In fact, the, the the pipeline's been growing steadily through 2020 and. Uh, we'd characterize it as still uh, on a positive uh, trend here. So, you know, we'll won't, won't provide a, a pipeline growth metric quarterly, but yeah, I mean, everything that John mentions that's going on in the world, whether it's COVID, Suez Canal, all the disruptions, as well as the, the daily ones and all of our success being able to name new customers is uh, is helping here. And, and he also mentioned the Gartner report and how that uh, alone uh, resulted in, you know, the highest number of inbound inquiries that we would ever had. So, there's, there's a lot of good tailwinds uh, behind us at
3: this point.
11: Okay, and then, I mean, that's, that's
3: on the- Okay, can you, can you guys hear me back now?
2: Well, welcome yep, back, friend
3: All right, sorry about that. I guess I just got bounced. I could hear you, but you couldn't hear me. Sorry about that.
11: You're loud and clear now. Um, just a couple questions on the supply side in terms of, you know, managing your business. I, I asked Rick on the de- demand side, but um, for supply, can you speak about the ability to hire new employees in this environment? You know, are you finding that uh, you, can, you can source the talent in the Ottawa region, you know, or are you beginning to, to broaden that out with, you know, remote work? Like, are you finding, um, are, are you actively sourcing outside of Ottawa than perhaps what you've done in the past?
3: Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, as we said last call, um, in 2020, during the pandemic, we grew the, our workforce by uh, north of 50%, um, you know, very aggressive hiring. And, and that was worldwide, you know, with all North America, here in Ottawa, uh, Europe, uh, in Asia, and in India. And we've continued to hire in Q1, not to the same pace. Uh, but to the expected pace. And, uh, and you know, I'd say the, you know, I, the the work-from-home global workforce um, certainly provides opportunity to find talent anywhere in the world. At the same time, I you know, I think it is not necessarily conducive to building careers uh, for young people. You know, it sounds great at the beginning, and then they realize, huh, how do I build my career if I'm never physically with anyone? I'm, um, so I'm not a buyer of, work from home perpetually. I'm just not a buyer of that. I think ultimately culture will erode that will, you know, you will forego culture as a result. Um, I think there's a reason why people are stronger together. I think there's a reason why communities are stronger when they lock arms. And so, you know, our approach uh, going forward will be, um, you know, hybrid. This is what we're hearing from our employee base. They prefer a hybrid approach. But they are all looking forward to seeing each other once again. And uh, you know we're going to, we're continuing our work on our our, our our new global headquarters, which we're still on target to move in in uh, Q1 of 2022. And it will be a magnet, you know I, we, We're going to magnetize that place and and uh, it will be a place employees will want to be. And uh, but at the same time, you know we're not going to rush. We're not going to put safety. Uh, you know, behind us here, we you know, we have to be safe first and foremost. We're never going to put employees in harm's way. Um, and we're, we're building a phenomenal culture. Uh, our People Matter Here culture resonates really, really well uh, globally, all around the world. And so um, we haven't had, you know, I'd say, um, you know, the t- a, a systemic challenge in finding talent.
11: And last one for me also on the supply side, the MDNA called out the you know, data center expansion in Montreal, which is starting in January. You know, how is that progressing despite, you know, the, the, the restrictions? And then also in regards to just the, the, the supply uh, of uh, the technology hardware, uh, which is quite tight. Um, you know, how should we think about the capacity of your existing data centers and the need uh, to expand that capacity and, and how do you sort of think about mitigating risk, you know, if there are delays on the expansion side?
4: Uh, well, good good question Paul and just to clarify it's 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 ongoing expansion of our of our Montreal data center and and what drives our uh, our, our data center growth is really twofold first uh, the growth of, of our customers both from a new name expansion as well as expansion and then secondly uh, we develop in the cloud so it's the engineering uh, team as well now it's something whereby we always uh, invest a, again ahead of the curve and so what we want to do is make sure that we have appropriate uh, additional capacity uh, so that we can expand uh, whether it's driven by our you know customers increased usage or by that, uh, that expanded uh, R&D team so it is with purpose it is it is planned it's it's uh you know part of our capex uh plan for the year and, and it's uh, proceeding as uh, as anticipated.
6: Yeah, thank you. I'll pass on. You have a question from the line of Suthans Kumar with A Capital.
8: Good morning, gents. Um when uh, when looking at your recent wins, um, how much of that, that is being driven to the rapid direct model versus the traditional rapid response model? And and how much of a role do partners versus direct sales play in kind of driving new deals to this, this new program?
3: It's, it's about the same, actually. I, I wouldn't say that, you know, uh, we've shifted our practice or our sales protocols. Um, we haven't shifted our approach to leveraging partner influence. And involvement, uh, we haven't shifted away from having partners. Um, you know, more and more become prime on on deployments. Um, you know, so I'd, I, I wouldn't say there's any there's been any shift at all um, in in that regard.
8: Okay, um, great. And, and are you are you guys seeing any any, uh, any learnings um, from? From Rapid Direct that you can take back into your traditional deployments to to, to maybe improve overall uh the launch time frames. Ah,
3: uh, okay. So I um if I correct if if I understand you correctly, you're when you say rapid direct, you're you're meaning what we call rapid start. Um, which is that a program sure, Yeah, Yeah, yeah this, okay. Um well in that case, you know, we're definitely seeing a shift. In, in, um, in, in customers more customers now than um, same time last year uh, looking at rapid start as the as their first step and it's too early to say you know it's too early to say this out loud as something that is systemic um, but we have experienced uh, faster uh, sales cycles as a result of rapid start as you would imagine, we're dramatically reducing the amount of risk that a prospect has to stake has to take to get started and so um you know early days we're monitoring that very closely as we we've always said our 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 when we look at our cohorts of deals they tend to be in that eighteen month range in terms of sales cycle um, you know with rapid start, there's the potential to um, you know to basically lower that number and and start to see um, a a faster a faster rate of close um than we have in the past. Now, hopefully that, you know, I answered the the question you asked, but that's you know the for sure you know the the most significant um uh, thing that we're watching right now is the sales cycle. You know, there's something like rapid start as a as a um, a vehicle, you know, <clears throat> reduce the, the time to close.
6: Great. No, thanks, Matt. No, that's… that's.
1: Due to t- the limit of time, we will be re- limiting questions to one question. You have a question from the line of Nick Agostino with oh. Lauritian Bank Securities. Uh,
7: yes. Uh, good morning. I guess so, my, my one question, looking at professional services, obviously second largest revenue component for you guys. In your press release and MDNA, and you, you talk about, I guess, more revenues coming from expanded service offerings. I know, John, in the past, you talked about introducing uh, services and, and being able to to bill for them. So, I'm just wondering what, what type of service offerings are you, um, I, I guess, make up that, that comment about the expanded service offerings. And more importantly, Can you maybe provide a split between how much of your professional services is tied to the implementation work to get a customer onboarded versus uh, services being offered in the aftermarket? And how much of professional services overall can we maybe quantify, if possible, as being recurring in nature? That's it.
4: Uh, Thanks, Nick. I mean, first and foremost, uh, we've always viewed and continue to view the primary role of professional services as subscription enablement. Uh, And, and, uh, you know, we're pleased to see that actually our our partner, our extended partner network is actually generating significantly more collective revenue than we are. What we've done um, is just to uh, continue that connection with our customers and primarily through our Prana acquisition last year, is, is also now being able to cost effectively introduce what we call sustainment services. So this is after that subscription enablement is the ongoing connection and helping them better use and leverage and expand their usage of, of, of uh, rapid uh, response uh, primarily though that it uh, the professional services are, are still focused though on, on either the initial subscription enablement or, or, or further expansion of that subscription enablement.
7: And any comment on is that sustainment services is that a, a recurring revenue stream or, or is that one time in nature as well?
4: No, it's it's a recurring because it's 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 living with our customers and living with their uh, rapid response experiences. So it's absolutely sustained, and we continue to expand our our our, our strong team in India. This, the the skill set there is is, is amazing. Uh, we have uh, well. 20 years of experience uh building that, and and uh, uh they're they're a very very focused knowledgeable team and 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 have developed a rapport with with our customers so that is uh you know that's an ongoing um just a it's a just ongoing relationship
1: okay you have a question from the line of Martin Toner with ATB Capital Markets
2: Good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my question. Is it fair to say that customers looking for a more rapid return on their investment result in shorter lead times, smaller initial contracts, and then higher NRR over time?
3: That's the that's the thesis for sure um exactly in that order right should we you know i would expect reducing the risk increasing the um return on initial investment um you know and and providing a a path providing a journey uh to transform their governance model um you know will will yield those those uh those outcomes right now it's too early to say <laughs> Uh, We've we've seen, we absolutely have seen some cases where uh, sales cycles are radically reduced. And in some cases, they continue to be exactly as uh, we have been seeing for 25 years. And and so uh, we're going to monitor it very closely. Um, We're obviously very pleased coming off of a, you know, a record Q4 2020 and then breaking records in Q1 again, you know, um, and some of that, the result of rapid start. Uh, you know, we're we're going to continue to monitor that and then see if that becomes a, a, a trend. But it's a logical thesis.
6: Super. Thanks for that. Uh, and congrats on a good quarter, um, and I will leave it there. Thank you so much.
1: You have a question from the line of Robert Young with Canaccord Genuity.
13: Hi. Um, uh, you cut me off before. I guess you're letting me back in the queue here for a last question. Maybe just a quick one. The the chip shortage, the impact on the automotive sector seems tailor made for what you guys are doing. And so maybe if you could just use that as an example of maybe how the automotive sector is seeing your tool set in a different way, and then I'll just let you off the hook.
3: Yeah, I you know I mean it, it's another classic uh, major disruption that you can't plan around. You know no. You know, the, the old techniques, the old governance models don't know what to do um, when such disruptions occur, and you're right, it's, it's a perfect use of concurrency uh, and, and uh, scenario planning and, and um, trade-offs uh, and, and so on. So, you know, we, we've certainly done uh, very well in high tech, and I might even say more so in the, um, uh, you know, the sub-segment uh in 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 um you know chip manufacturing and so you know our the customers involved in that in that space for us um are certainly leveraging our technology as a result Uh, you know there's there's no doubt about it but i you know it's just one example as i talk to other chief supply chain officers whether it's a stuck boat a plant fire a covid pandemic uh or material failing inspection upon arrival in a at a factory you know all of these things are unplanned events and all of these things require hyper agility to absorb you know you can't plan your way around it uh, and this is where concurrency works best okay thanks
1: and there appears to be no more questions in queue we will turn the call back over to richard monkman for closing remarks
4: Thank you, operator. As you know, we announced my retirement in March with Blaine transitioning to CFO on August 1st. Consequently, this is my 28th and final earnings call. I want to take this opportunity to thank the analysts, investors, and other listeners for your support over the years. It has been an absolute privilege to be part of the CanAxis team and to share our story. Thank you, and uh, goodbye.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this does conclude today's conference call. You may now all disconnect. Thank you for your
0: participation. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone.